Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, we got it with punishment. Youngest is confident, but they hear the what we coming with. Others in love with the drug and this man, we just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them loving it. So, Sean, uh, last week we did our redraft of the 2017 NBA draft, and I'm just in a drafting mood. You know, normally by now we've, we're doing our recap NBA draft episode, but a crazy year, obviously. Um, so I wanted to bring someone on to talk about this NBA draft, someone who is very well known in the area. He's an NBA draft consultant. He's the manager of video scouting for Babcock's Hoops. Uh, this is Mr. Derek Murray. Derek, how you doing? Thank you for coming on 48 Minutes, man. Yeah, I appreciate you, Tim and Sean, having me on. And obviously, yeah, you know, sad day. I kind of woke up a little bad mood when when it, the draft should have been happening. But uh, pay more time to talk about it. I think a lot of people are people are so this this draft is going to be so analyzed that it's actually going to be kind of weird to see if people overanalyze it because we have so much time to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and, and always love talking basketball. Sure, absolutely. So kind of tell us a little bit about Babcock Hoops, how you got involved with the website, how you kind of got your name out there, and really how you kind of got into covering the covering and scouting for the NBA draft. Yeah, so I started uh, kind of my, my world in talent evaluation in 2016. And at that point, I was just trying to get my feet wet, you know, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to learn from? And, you know, it's, it's a long path. So to kind of jump forward a little bit, I started with Net Scouts as an international basketball scout in 2017 and 18, I covered a lot of the FIBA U 16, 17, 18, 20 year old tournaments. Okay. So that was, yeah. So starting international is actually really, really tough because it's like, that's the hardest kind of basketball to kind of evaluate. So mm. I enjoyed kind of starting with the more difficult piece. And I, you know, I appreciate Carl Berman kind of uh, being the one to kind of help me get my feet wet and really start back in the day. I then scouted for the professional basketball combine for a little bit. I have my own website, uh, the blueprint MBA, and that's kind of how the relationship with Matt Babcock and Babcock hoops started. So Matt is, again, he, he was an NBA agent for many years. Um, his bloodline is all NBA front office personnel. So he just basketball has been his life for a long time. And he kind of got out of the agent game and became a draft consultant running his own website. And he, along with Fran Fraschilla, uh, Jason Filippi, Doc Martin, a couple other guys have basically a little group to gather intel on draft prospects, you know, year by year. And I met him here in Oklahoma City one day. He was here scouting RJ Hampton in a preseason game. So he tweets a picture that he's at the game. I DM him like, hey, you don't know me. I can't do anything for you. But like, I'd love to shake your hand. Like, I've seen your work. Like, it'd be great to talk to you. Talk to him for 20 minutes. Really nice guy, personable. And I didn't ask for anything. And he was very, very like, he was better than me, better to me in that moment than I could have ever asked for. And man, about a month later, he called me really late one night. He said, Hey, I need a video guy. You know, you want to do it? I was like, heck yeah, I'm in. Like, so no more questions. I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. <laughs> Absolutely. So we, we, we started doing that and this is our first draft together. We kind of got together in October, uh, but that's kind of how our relationship started. And I've, I've loved it ever since he's taught me a lot. You know, I get to talk to, him along with various other agents that I might consult for. Most of my consulting is G League work and not necessarily high profile guys, just because that's, we kind of leave that stuff to Matt because he's the professional. Um, but sure. we, yeah, I, I love it. And, and I love every second working for him. So it's a fun time. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. It's uh, the way to set the bar for people like us trying to get our foot in the door. So definitely need to hear that anything's possible with that. So um, let's hop into it because obviously this draft is being picked apart. Um, it's like you said, it's already overanalyzed. Um, we know now that since the season's going to be about five weeks after the draft, this draft just got a little bit more important, obviously, because mm-hmm. these college kids, these FIBA players, these RJ Hamptons, Lamella balls, they quit playing basketball in February in some yeah. cases. And so now it kind of gives those guys a little bit of extra urgency because, Hey, this, you know, five weeks after you're drafted, you better find a house. You better find a place. But at the same point, a lot of people are really kind of nervous about the depth of this draft. A lot of people seem to act like it's the 2000 draft. I don't think it's anywhere near that bad. Um, but, you know, like, when you, like, read, the, like, the things, it's like, yeah, there's Kenyon Martin and who else? I'm like, no, this draft has depth. It's just not, yeah. like, superstar depth. What do you think this draft so, picked, so far picked apart? And when you look at overall, like, the prospect list in this draft, what do you see from it that maybe people aren't seeing? So I think you nailed it right there, kind of in the question. Because there's no superstar that has set himself above everybody else, it's looked upon as if it's weak. And even back in you know, December, January, I was one of those guys. I, I was like, man, this draft, I just, this may be the ultimate trade out, you know, trade out of the first round, you know, get out of there. But the more you look at it, yes, there's no superstar at the top that we know of yet. I think there's a couple with potential, but mm-hmm. I think you're 20 to 40 and 40 to 60 range is just, loaded with potential starters and and role players. Like, I think this undrafted free agent class will be better than the last couple of years. I think you'll have a couple second round picks, get NBA spots down the road, maybe some two, two ways, um, some exhibit tens, some stuff like that. I think you'll see a lot of those out of this class compared to some others. So while it's not star heavy, you know, loaded up at the top, the depth is really, really there. Perfect. Derek, after, you know, you know, we didn't have an, in, an actual NCAA tournament this year, and uh, we didn't get to see a lot of talent, and, and LaMelo obviously uh, not playing, you know, college basketball, and James Wiseman only getting three games in. Uh, how, much does it, how much does not having the tournament hurt a lot of these guys, like maybe say like an Obi Toppin in this, in this draft class? Yeah, so – for most of the players, my opinion is that it doesn't affect them very much. It affects the players who would have gotten their first or their biggest national spotlight in front of 20 executives at a game who sure. haven't gotten that all year. So, like, I think of guys, I go down the list here, Toppin, yes. I feel like mo- most execs have gotten to see Toppin, like, live, especially because he was in, I believe it was the Maui tournament. Um, so, like, he was, he's been seen. The guy that comes to mind is Malachi Flynn of yes. San Diego State. He's a guy that I think you put in a national tournament and I think he becomes that Sam Decker type late tournament draft. How did this kid end up in the first round? When quite frankly, I do think Malachi point is good enough to go in the back end of the first round. If someone sees that in him, but I think he's, he's the one that comes to mind. I'm like, man, I wish we could have seen him just two or three nights in a week, just playing against elite competition because uh, I think it's just smaller school guys that uh, no, um, Jalen Harris at Nevada was another one of those guys where if they would have made it into the tournament, which I actually don't recall how even close they were, but just seeing his name, I'm like, that's a guy that I think could have benefited as well. I was actually really high on Malachi Flynn. I'm glad you brought that name into attention. Cause I know a lot of people 
So kind of skipping ahead, this second round group has a lot of guys, like you said, like there's a lot of guys that are going to be able to come in and be plug and plays or, you know, microwaves. Um, you know, Emmanuel quickly is the one that comes to mind the most for me. SEC player of the year, more than likely looking like he's an early second, late first round kind of guy. But it feels like there's so many more of those. Um, obviously covering Xavier, I've seen Najee Marshall very close for three years now. So yeah. I know the two-way abilities he has. Um, when you look at that group of the second rounders, I mean, who are some guys really that kind of jump out to you a little more than the names we've already mentioned there? See, guys that I really like that as of right now are consensus second rounders. Um, Elijah Hughes at Syracuse. Like him he's a lot. He's a guy that, yeah, at Babcock Hoops, we actually have him in the first round, uh, but he's consensus second. So, like, that's the guy that we're pretty high on. Uh, let's see. Flynn, we have, like, 33 right now on our recent mock draft late or early second, I think he'll, the age may deter somebody from taking him at the end of that, end of the first round. Uh, but I could see early second going for him. Uh, let's see. Ashton Higgins is a guy to keep an eye on. Najee yes. Marshall, we do have in the second. Uh, one, one I think that's interesting is Josh Hall, who is, he just finished his prep, uh, his high school prep year. So he's mm-hmm. committed to NC state, but he's declared for the draft. 6'9", wing, ball handler, kind of a more perimeter game. So he's one to keep an eye on as well. And then a name that just popped up, one of my favorites in the whole class, Tyshawn Alexander from Creighton. I've seen him play in person quite a few times. Yeah. I like so his I think, game a lot. I think ESPN still has him around 90 or something in their prospect list. Maybe that's because they haven't updated in a while. Um, those guys obviously are professionals too, so I'm not here to slam anybody's board. But I have him like mid-40s. He's 40%. I think he was 39.9 from a three this year. He was always tasked with guarding the best offensive player on the other team. Six, four athlete. I mean, that's a guy that I want on my floor. Even if it's an eighth man, there's a place for that kind of athlete in, in the league on somebody's roster. So Tyshawn's a guy that comes to mind as, as far as like a second round value pick. Um, we're big Bulls fans on this show. So if like the Bulls could get snake Tyshawn Alexander the second round, I'm not going to be sad. Yeah, no, you could because you can play him. He's not a like he's not a one per se. He's not a two per se. But I think you can plug him. He's versatile enough to where, hey, I need this role filled for ten minutes. Tyshawn's the guy where you say, okay, cool, I'll, he can go fill that role. That's why I think he's a good roster fit a bunch of different places. Yeah, I agree. Um, when you look at the kind of the overall of this draft, especially at the top. You know, the, the positions that's really kind of jumping up is building backcourt. Um, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Denny Avija is a guy that a lot of people kind of have at different positions. Killian Hayes, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, Aaron Nesmith. I know I just named a bunch of dudes. Yeah. And actually, guys, are you all having your top 10? Um, <laughs> so when you look at this depth, it seems like, you know, there's so many guards that, like, that kind of highlight this draft. Who are some of the guys that really you're looking at in that, late lottery mid-tier first round because i noticed you had cole anthony at 22 on the website which is a lot lower than most people have him um is a lot of that just because i guess it's the second question is cole anthony just because north carolina had a bad year because i feel like he's kind of getting a snag for playing on a bad team and being the guy that had the ball in his hands 90 percent of the time yeah there will definitely be people who penalize him for that and i i won't ever be one to do that because there were games where he probably would have had a better chance of getting an assist if he was passing me the ball on the perimeter and I can't shoot. Right. So I'm not going to fault him for like low assist numbers or efficiency because the lane was always clogged with him. 
and he's driving into a mess, like the NBA floor is going to help him spread it out. A couple things he, a, a lot of the reason we have him down pretty low is Intel related and non-basketball stuff. Gotcha. So, yeah. So obviously we can't go too far into that. Um, I believe he's a firm mid first round talent. Um, just kind of the information and conversations we've had with some organizations that he's likely to slip. Um, won't go too much more <laughs> into that, but that's a reason. It's See, not, I've, it's not because I don't believe in his basketball. I've heard that too, about another big tier prospect that I'm not going to name any names either, but he played at Georgia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, it's always interesting because film film can give you a lot, but man, when you, when you really think about investing millions and millions of dollars into an 18, 19 or 20 year old kid, like you have to know what kind of person they are. Agreed. And that's, and so a lot of the guys that we would consensus be higher on are guys that the Intel's come back, just that they're just phenomenal people. So we can get into that another time. Let me go back to your question about the guards, uh, ball Hayes, Edwards are obviously kind of the top three for us. I really, really like Killian Hayes. His, I do development, too. his development from 16 to 17 to 18 has been phenomenal. He is super left-hand dominant, but you don't hear about anybody being right-hand dominant being a bad thing. So I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, let me see. In the mid-first, I think Kira Lewis is the steal, depending on where he falls. He's a guy that on my personal board I have in the top ten. I can't get Matt quite on board yet with that. We're slowly, we're slowly inching Kira up. Uh, I think Kira is worth a top 10 pick right now. He's so, so fast with the ball, just blazing speed, live dribble passing with either hand is phenomenal, creates advantages all over the floor. So he's a guy that I think could be a steal if he slips far enough at the point guard position. And I also really like Leandro Balmero. Uh, I did a big piece on him on the Babcock Hoops website about two weeks ago, six, seven, you know, powerful athlete, not elite athleticism in traffic or, or down at the rim, but I don't think he has to be. He creates off the dribble, he beats his defender, and he's a phenomenal passer. Like his vision is just amazing. So while him and Kira are very different players, they're both guys that in that mid first, I, would, I wouldn't hesitate whatsoever to select either one of them. Derek, with, you know, the NBA season, you know, kind of obviously being kind of a <laughs> kind of kind of a mess at the end of the year here. And, uh, you know, you know, there's a few lottery teams that are that are going to, you know, be on the board, which um, is, is there a player that you could project as number one, like that a team may, you know, pick over, you know, pick as a need over you know say talent wise this year more if 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 a if a team was actually gonna you know get the number one pick is there someone who would maybe surprisingly jump into the number one because i know the consensus has kind of been all over the place this year i've seen you know Lamelo, obviously anthony edwards wiseman uh i've seen obi toppin on some of them so what what player would you would you see being surprisingly shoved into that number one spot by a team by maybe just you know need over talent wise yeah so I think the guy who I think there's two that come to mind as far as I wouldn't be just dumbfounded if they went one but it would take a specific chain of events in the lottery it's a Kongwu and of okay I think either one of those guys can fit a need 
very, very well, even though their superstar potential is not anywhere near a Ball or Edwards. Um, so I think somebody who needs a little bit of front court help, those are two terrific options. So you look at a team like Atlanta, yes, all these guards can score. So a lot of Hawks fans, they're just drooling for a guard. Honestly, I think their best case scenario is to fall back a little bit and try to get a guy like um, Okoro because the second you take the ball out of Trey's hands, the offense gets worse. So you might as well load up and he needs to help on defense. Like, you don't say. Bad, he's bad on defense <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's okay. Like he carries such a load offensively, that's, that's okay. So you partner him with a Lamelo or Edwards. Not only are you adding another poor defender, you're adding a guy who's going to take the ball out of, out of Trey's hands. So that's just kind of one that immediately comes to mind with Atlanta. But I think Okongwu and, and Denny are the guys where, based on how the, the ping pong balls fall out, you could see go one in the right situation. Now, also, you know, we don't really know how the, the NBA draft lottery hasn't happened yet or anything, but is there a team that you could see, you know, getting the number one pick and possibly trading down? Like, you would, like it wouldn't surprise you at all if they did it. The Warriors are one. Okay. Um, because I just – I don't believe that they'll go with a guard. I think that their backcourt is still intact enough to where you want to address the front court at least based on our conversations, what I think will happen. So if they get one, I could see them trying to move into four, five, six, seven, and then taking, you know, if Wiseman's gone, you take a Kongwu. If Kongwu's gone, you take Wiseman. If they're both gone, you take Toppin. Like there's the, the, the fact there are three really good bigs at the top, a team who needs a big, I could see moving down. Atlanta, another one. If you don't want a guard and you want a big because you don't really know what you're going to do with John Collins and Capella, maybe you move down a little bit if you're way up top and, Hey, whichever one of those three centers or power forwards fall to you, take. I want to talk about James Wiseman. <laughs> Why do people seem to forget he's good at basketball? Like, have you noticed this? Like, would you like all of a sudden he hasn't? He only plays three games. I get that, um, and it wasn't a best events talent. Like, I understand. You know, I think he played well in that Oregon game. I think you know it's the best we've had. But like, he has the upside to have that nice pick and pop game. The defensive ability is outstanding. It seems like people just are treating him like he's, you know, this, like he's Mar like what Marvin Bagley ended up being in it so far in his career is what people are saying James Wise is going to be. And that kind of frustrates me because I've watched Wiseman play. I know how good he is. Do you feel like he's kind of just getting a slight because he has, he only played three games and like, it seems like which was like that footage. And just because we haven't had so long to see him on a basketball court, it feels like he's just getting picked apart more than maybe the, the other prospects. Is that, am I fair there? Yes, you are. And He's the guy that I think – like, okay, when, when you say guys are picking them apart, what, who, who, is, who is guys? Who are they? Touche. Okay. I will say I've listened to a lot of draft podcasts. <laughs> and, but, like, when I watch, like, Jonathan Giovanni's film, like, he's like, Wiseman does this really well, Wiseman does this really well. And that's the stuff I look at because, for me, I try to be as educated as possible. To me, I think he has the upside to be – I mean, I think his floor is what Clint Capella, you know, like in his ceiling could be so many guys. Like I think he has some John Collins to him that he can develop into. I think he has a lot of offensive I a, upside. I, I had a, I had a big draft guy call me the other day and he said, I think Wiseman reminds me of Steven Adams. And yes. It, Whoa, took okay. me, it, it took me a second. Shout out to him. I won't say his name, but I'll text him and let him know. I gave him credit. It, it, it kind of makes sense. I don't it really does. want you on the perimeter. 
but you're huge, you're strong, you came in a little lanky, Wiseman has the frame to fill out. And that's what a lot of organizations still like in him. I fully expect him to go in the top five. I think you guys who are really in tune with what front offices are thinking, expect him to go in the top five. I think you guys looking for hot takes will find stuff to talk about any prospects about why they suck. And look, I try to be as hard and critical in my evaluation as possible. That doesn't mean you highlight three games from an 18 year old and we tell people why he's bad. Right. You can go to any game. I can go to, to there are multiple Coro games you can go in where he was just struggled. You can go to LaMelo games where he looked horrible. I think because Wiseman never had the chance to get in, you know, a meaningful conference game and dominate, it did hurt him. Like, again, a lot of the concerns are valid. His feet can be kind of slow. His reads on defense aren't great. The passing is just not very good. But at 7'1", 235, 18 years old, when you're used to just obliterating people in AAU and high school basketball, and you haven't had to learn the finesse and artistic part of the game yet, I'm not going to fault you for not having that. So that's kind of my take on him. Do I think he's going to be some NBA superstar? No. On my personal board, I have him at six. So there are guys that I like more than him, um, but I, I understand the concerns, but I just, the Wiseman hate, it, it's softening, especially on Twitter. It's softening as we get closer to the draft because you kind of come back to, oh man, this kid's huge and he was ranked number one in the class for a reason. Right. But, and, and that's what I ultimately, I think, I, I, I still think he'll go in that top five. Because to me, it was if the Warriors have the first pick and they don't trade out, I thought he made a ton of sense as a rim protector, as a rim runner. You know, he's got guys there who are going to help him kind of develop this culture. He's got the, you know, one of the three best coaches in the NBA if that happens. He's obviously got the best shooter ever. And, you know, at that point, it's kind of like, like Sean said earlier, it's not necessarily about the talent and it's more or less about like, we really need you because we're depending on Kevon Looney and, you know, we're still looking for that toughness at the center position we haven't had in years. And I've heard a lot of things about him being soft per se. um, But I felt like the Warriors were just like this perfect fit for him where if it dropped to that way and he does really well in his interviews, which everything I've heard, he's great. You know, he's great to talk to the teams love. Yeah, I've been, we've been told that his, his interviews are actually really good. Yeah. I've heard the same thing. So I felt like Golden State was like a great situation for him. Obviously it's a great situation for any player, but for what they need and for what he is, I thought it was a perfect marriage. Am I wrong? No. And I think if Golden State gets number one pick, they should either go with Wiseman or Okongwu. Um, again, it's, it's hard to sit there and just face-to-face compare the two because you only have three Wiseman games. But right. I think at either one of those, it fills the need that they have immediate and they're both so young and it can fill that need moving forward for quite some time. So, yeah, Golden State's the team where if, if they have one, part of me will be almost shocked if Wiseman doesn't go one. Yeah, I agree because it feels like, I don't know, like I've seen like people like, this could be Hashim to beat. I'm like, no, trust me, he's athletic. He does know how to play basketball. He's just learning things. Yeah, and big men, big men historically take more time to develop once they get into the NBA. So he's an example of a guy where if he doesn't come out and by year, year two, he's dominating. I feel like a lot of people will go back and be like, see, we told you he sucked. Right. And maybe in two years he does. And we don't know, like we can't say or project that yet, but he, he's one of the guys in this class. I'm like, man, let's give him time to find out what he's got first, because two things come to mind with that. I still am. I have all my Mo Bamba stock 
still down in Orlando. Like I love Bamba should. coming out. As love you should. Bamba. And I, to some people, I got blasted for it because his rookie year, he was atrocious. He was not very good. It's like, hey, he's 19. He's filling out. He was hurt. Yeah, big men take longer to develop, which to my next point is what makes Aiton so incredible, in my opinion. Yes, he's thank all you. Like, like he, he, his development curve is significantly ahead of some other bigs at his age or even historically his age, which makes me really impressed with him. So Wiseman, again, I get the concerns, understand it. I'm not even telling people that. I would, I'm not even here to say that the people who don't believe in him are wrong, but I think he has enough of a baseline worth taking a shot on him and seeing what that first contract can give you. So I'm glad you backed me up there because I felt like, so I know I'm not crazy. Um, let me ask you about his college teammate in Precious Achua was American athletic conference player of the year was American athletic conference fresh for the year. I saw him play in person. I got to interview Penny Hardaway, which was my, like, Sean will tell you that's awesome. my favorite player ever. So that was my, yeah. like my <laughs> moments, you know, that was my, like, I can retire yeah. now, but watching Precious in person, there were so many things I liked about his game. And I'm wondering if I have him too high because you guys have him where I think it's fair, that like 11th area, that Sacramento. Um, but I've also seen like Tankathon had him in the early second, which is insane to me. Um, I've seen like a few different places like Bleach Report have him really low. Why is his information so up and down? Because unlike Wiseman, we do have, you know, 28, 29 games. Memphis, even though they were young, were still a top five defensive team in the country last year. I know the offense wasn't great, but – I mean, he really was, in conference time, the best player in that conference. It wasn't given to the wrong person. Right. So he is one that I think has a very wide draft range. I think, and obviously in a draft like this, there are a handful of guys who have like an extremely wide variance of where they can be picked. He's one. Physically, we know what he has. He's an awesome athlete, bouncy, long, can run, six foot nine, two, let's see, what is he, 225? Just phenomenal. Fast. Yeah, fast, runs the floor, has small ball five, interior four kind of written all over him. What were Things that worry me about him right now, he gets pushed off his spot a lot. Even centers that are not elite in the conference, I think, I'm trying to remember what games, um, man, it's not coming to me. I've seen so, so many of his games that a center will bump him down on the block and he'll just completely be dislodged. So that part of me is like, okay, I, I don't like that you're just easily moved at that size. So sure. that's not something that's something that NBA they can put weight on him, obviously. But it does give me cause for hesitation. I think the two glaring weaknesses are his timing of defensive rotations. They're just not there all the time. It's not the it's not that he falls asleep. I think there are times that he just doesn't grasp or doesn't recognize what exactly he just saw or what he needs to do in that moment. I have some really close connections inside that program that speak really highly of him and say he's actually very intelligent. So if they would have told me like, hey, the kid just struggles, you know, that would be even more of a concern for me. But I, I trust his defense at the next level. Um, but it's the, the shooting is what gets me. The shooting. I mean, he just got some bad misses. And a lot of it's due to footwork timing anticipation i mean anything that has to do with his shot honestly is concerning once you once you leave the restricted area and the paint so that's not something like i don't think that's something i was like hey we can't ever teach this him or teach him this but it's going to be it's going to require a good developmental system 
it's going to require an organization taking time and really working with him and fixing his feet and mechanics on the jump shots if that's what they want him to be. If all you want him to be is a small ball rim running five, then, hey, take him mid first. That's his role, and I think he can excel. But if he's relied upon to score, it's going to take more time. And on my personal board, I have him around 25. So I, I do, there's no way he falls into the second round. But there are guys who can create off the dribble and can get their own bucket that I would take ahead of him just because the NBA's it, you have to be able to put the ball in, in the hoop. And that's just the name of the game. And it's something he struggles with. So even as physical and as dominant as he can be on the ball sometimes, that's the reason he's back for me a little bit. Makes sense. Um, let me ask you about the Timberwolves real quick because mm-hmm. I see Obi Toppin, I see LaMelo Ball linked to them a lot. But I don't necessarily know if I'd agree with that situation because obviously the glaring weaknesses of Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Cat is the defensive side of the ball. Now, Cat has definitely improved his defensive game. Anyone who says he hasn't is not looking, is not watching, obviously. But it's still a major concern. Mm-hmm. When they made the trade for Beasley, they, are, they went up – when those three were on the court together, they were, they were thinking they were like 11.5 points per possession. No, that's too high. Like 1.5 points per possession, which is okay. pretty solid. Yeah. So when they're talking about taking like Top and Lamella, who are two guys who are very well known for not being good defenders, I mean, Dayton had to hide – Obi on the defensive side of the ball. Do you do you think that those are fits that make sense, or you know, is this situation like my worry when they're talking about D'Angelo and Kyrie being together in Boston was they're two guys that need the ball, and I don't think either one of them are very that that good off the ball. The players, unless of course they have LeBron, but right, you know, in this situation, would a Lamelo Ball make sense with D'Angelo Russell? I don't think so. I don't think that the right move would be to take a ball handler. Uh, in any capacity, at least at that first pick. Now, I think the Minnesota, so right now their second pick is slotted at 16. At that point, sure, take one of yeah. those other ball handlers. I don't think with what's likely to end up top five, you would want to take a ball handler. I would anchor that defense and give me an interior presence because, again, while, so correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not a Timberwolves professional. Nor should you be. Towns, <laughs> Towns he like increased the volume of his scoring significantly as he moved outside. Mm-hmm. So as he moved outside, they got Wiggins out, opened the lane for him to drive or even just give him space alone on the perimeter because you have to respect below shooting. I see find somebody who can be that interior presence. So the guy that I would want is Okongwu. I think he's, <laughs> I think Okongwu is the guy that I would consider the quote perfect fit at their early pick because he can anchor an interior Agreed. defense. I mean, just powerful lower body, holds his ground, can protect the rim, scores well off the move if he needs to run baseline. He's agile and pick and rolls. So I'm thinking, okay, let's see, you have D'Lo at the top, you go pick and roll with the Kongwu, and then you have Towns literally as just like a spot-up shooter because he's good enough. Or you have a Kongwu um, just setting screens because he's just a mammoth of a human being clearing the, clearing the lane for Towns. Like, I, I think they should go big or defensive wing and not necessarily a ball handler. It's like Okoro and Vassell are guys that I like, you know, if they were to, if their pick was to fall in that seven to nine range. I agree. I can't imagine a, a situation where LaMelo and D'Angelo Russell worked in any capacity. Like, that yeah. just seems like a complete disaster to me. 
right. especially Kinda, with you know, yeah. bringing up the defensive stuff. But it's just it just doesn't seem like something that would work out long term in any capacity. Right, kind of like Atlanta, too, like you know, similar. Like you you got to have the ball in Delo's hands, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're planning for, I think right now or the next three to five years, whatever that contract is, you you, you don't go ball handler. Now, if you're saying, hey, we don't know how long we're going to have Cat, we don't know how long we're going to have Russell, we're going best player available, then you pick a guard, and in your front office, you have to have meetings when you sit, where you self-assess and say, hey, we need to know what our game plan is right now, because I think they're one of the teams where the direction of their franchise for the next five to six years is going to rest heavily on how they approach their first-round picks. I definitely agree, which kind of brings me to the Cavs, because obviously – you know, since 2003, they've only been good when one guy's been in uniform there. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, they try to do this. They're trying to do this Sexton Garland thing. Like, do a Portland light is kind of how it's been pitched to the fans. And it's not that I dislike those two players. I just felt like it got really awkward at times. They're two guys that don't like to pass the ball. There are times when you would watch Cavs games and you could very vividly see Kevin Love very frustrated not getting the ball when he was <laughs> open in the corner. Yeah. And now they're talking about Anthony Edwards there. And so I made the joke earlier, but I have heard, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not saying you said this by any means. I've heard there are issues with Anthony Edwards as far as a locker room guy. And I've heard that some people have some issues with like, you know, he could be kind of have that situation. Going to a team where there's two guys already that are so ball heavy. I don't know if Edwards is the right fit for them. What, you know, who's someone that you see for the Cavaliers? Because they're obviously a team that have a lot of needs. They're going to be strapped with cash because Andre Drummond's already announced he's going to opt in. They're talking about signing back Tristan Thompson, so they're literally going to have no money. Like, who? <laughs> but who why? The, right, agreed. But why? Who are the, who is someone that would be for the Cleveland, if State Cleveland's in that top three area that you would love to see the Cavs pick up? Yeah, so when I do mock drafts with people, the Cleveland pick is always really interesting because I ask myself, are you going to go with a big and try to or a wing and pair him with the golf guards you already have or continue to go best player available. And in two years, sit back and say, all right, these are the two we're going to pay like Portland. Like you're saying, if the, if the paying people in two years is the plan, you take a guy like Edwards, you take Hayes, you take ball, whoever's there. And it's, Hey, we're going to be bad again. And in two years, we'll decide which ones we want to keep, make our core, make our foundation. And we will build around from there. I think right now, Babcock Hoops, we do have Edwards mocked there because in the tankathon that we ran, they ended up second. Wiseman goes one to Golden State. You take the best player available. I think Edwards is the one guy in this class who has like ultimate superstar capability. I think LaMelo Ball is close, but I don't think he'll ever be the best scorer on your team. He'll probably be the best facilitator. Edwards has the potential to be the best scorer in the entire class. So if I'm Cleveland, he's on the board that's a hard guy to watch fall past you. One, another reason that I don't think, well, let's, let's say that Wiseman's on the board. Wiseman's, I believe my understanding is that he and Drummond's agent, or like there, it's the same agent who represents him and Drummond. Um, it becomes kind of a cluster if you have guys represented together in the same organization when one is already a little bit unhappy with a questionable future, I don't know if you necessarily want those guys together in that situation. So it's a, it's an option where Wiseman's agent could say like, don't draft us. But what franchise has handled that better than the Cavs in the past, Eric? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> you know, um, like that whole clutch thing. It went great. Yeah. 
I think if I had, you know, if I'm Cleveland, I have pick four, five, six. Denny's the guy that I'm picking. I've got my guard. Denny. I've got Drummond for however amount of time. I think Denny's a talent that we won't see again for a little while. And I just think you add a forward to the mix. He's a good defender, point forward, likes to handle the ball, is working on his spot-up shooting off the ball, uh, high motor, high energy, good character. His work ethic is just insane. And from a, from a perspective of we want our guys to come in and, and bust their ass and develop, I think Denny's the guy you want to bring in. Yeah, I think too, like, Denny's a perfect fit for me too because I feel like they thought they were going to get so much more from Jetty Osmond than they got. Um, obviously, you know, and they have really good role players, honestly. Like, anyone who's going to tell me Larry Nance is not a good NBA player, I'm going to call you a fool because he's a very good role player. I, if I was, like, a competitive team that needed a guy off my bench, I would trade for him in a heartbeat. He's got a good contract. Um, so, like, but Denny's a guy I really like for that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see why they're talking about bringing Tristan Thompson back. He's been huge to their franchise, obviously, one, you know, being a part of that title team. But having him drumming in love just seems weird to me. Because I don't, yeah, Kevin loves past the days of being able to play the three. Like, that's not a thing anymore. I also just really want to see a world where Chetty and Denny play together. Yeah. (laughs) I just feel like that would be fun basketball. I agree. Well, I'll define fun. Fun for me. Your average fan (laughs) would probably actually not enjoy watching that. I would love watching it. (laughs) So that's so, so this kind of brings me to, I got a couple more questions for you. Sean, if you have any, feel free to jump in, obviously. Um, when you talk about some of these teams that really ha- already have good young cores, how do you add these teams that already have everything? And like, what I mean by everything is like, they've already got like, so let's take a team like Memphis. They have their two stars already of the future. We know that, you know, John Morant, to me, he looks like he's a six, three penny Hardaway at times, the way he mm-hmm. plays, the way he passes, the way he moves. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Has like been perfect for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. He's been everything that teams wanted. Uh, Brandon Clark has been really good for them. You know, they've got all these guys that like Justice Winslow after the trade ended up being a good piece for them. And then funny enough, the team they traded with in the Heat, Duncan Robinson has elevated his game so much. Um, Kendrick Nunn, who I saw play in college, is fantastic. Bam Adebayo, the jump he made this year. For these teams that how they have this young future core, you know, is this just add-on? Or is this just getting best player available? Because Memphis definitely has needs, don't get me wrong, but it's like they don't have to draft for need at this exact moment. You know what I mean? Right. My, my personal approach is if you've already got your baseline, go best player available. Because they're, if they're the best player available at that time, then there will be at least one translatable skill that they have that if you need to find a role for them later, they likely have it. But if you draft for a role right now, things can change and you can pigeonhole a guy and then basically not even want him on a second contract. So again, not every team does it differently. I like that logic, but that's, that's, good. that's how, yeah. It's like if I've already got so, um, I think New Orleans is a team that I looked that way with, like for in a lot of these mock drafts. I'm like they've got, they've kind of got their whole yeah. baseline. You know, they've got the guards, picking Jackson Hayes and Zion. You got the front court kind of okay. So you look at their picks. I'm like, hey, I probably just go best player available, and if he truly is the best player, and I get that pick correct then there will be something that he can do for my team, whether it's now or in four years. I mocked Tyrese Maxey to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I, I feel I, like that, that's, that's close to his range, probably. Yeah. So well, depending on who you ask. Right, yeah. <laughs> so that brings me to, I've been playing this, you know, you, everyone that is on the internet knows the start bench cut game. 
Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've been having, I've been asking this one to everybody and I haven't had a single person that's had a definitive one, two, three. Okay. So I'm curious your thoughts as someone who evaluates players and mind you, I've seen a couple of these guys in person. So mine might be a little different. Mm-hmm. So start bench cut. We have Tyrese Maxey of Kentucky, Sadiq Bay of Villanova and Devin Vassell of Florida state. I'm starting Vassell 10 times out of 10. Vassell is the guy that I have hung my hat on since the end of last season. <laughs> I, I called Matt. I called Matt one day. Man, it was probably around Christmas. I said, hey, can you update that mock? I said, don't leave out my boy Devin. I was like, I'm going to be offended if you don't have him in the first. I'm like, I'd take him in the lottery. And he's like, man, you know, we're not hearing that yet. Like, We, 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 can't, we can't do that. And now, I mean, he's looking like a late lottery mid, mid first selection. So Vassell is far and away he is start and i don't even have to think about that one bay and maxi i'm 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 torn i really really am um i'll think out loud here for a second so maxi i hate the lou williams comp i do too I, i absolutely hate it lou williams is an elite artist at what he does with the basketball and to call somebody lou williams i believe is borderline offensive because he's not Maxi shot 29% from three. And I understand a lot of people are all in on him being a 40% NBA three-point shooter. Maybe he will be because his free throw numbers are good. He's got terrific, terrific touch in the lane. So that is an indicator is really good. But don't call him Lou Williams. And I'm not, I do not think you have, but that just, drives me, that just drives me nuts. No, I agree with you. Bay, he's also, okay, so he's also 6'2". So he's not a one. He's not a two. He can guard the one, but I don't think he can guard an NBA two who's like six five to six seven. So I right. don't really know what you do with him on the floor. Um, so that's why for Babcock Hoops we have him late first, just because there's enough of a hole of like I don't know what to do with you that some teams do have question marks on. Bay, the three point shooting goes without being questioned. The leadership, the intangibles, the basketball IQ, the mentality, it's all there. It's all exactly what you want. What worries me is he doesn't create many advantages with the ball in his hand other than like backing guys down. He'll get the ball at the three-point line. He'll size you up. He'll turn around and he'll walk you down to the post or the high, like uh, the free throw line. And honestly, that just drives me nuts because at the NBA level, that's not going to fly. Some teams won't even let you take that mid-range shot. Um, so Bay is kind of interesting because while the fundamentals are there and I think spot-up shooting-wise, he can be awesome. He's not as good of an athlete as some people say and like to rely on him to be. And the advantage creation is just not really there. So, man, I'm going to go – I'm going to go start Vassell. I'm going to I'm gonna bench Bay and I'm going to cut Maxi. Whoa, you're the first person yeah. that's cut Maxi. Everyone's kind of yeah. like been – yeah. There's been a lot of start with sales, and I'll but... get and 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 I'll I'll get I'll get blasted for it. Um, I'd rather get blasted by people I don't know than have Matt call me and be like, "What are you doing?" So <laughs> that's that's part of it too. Uh, but yeah, I think I, base shooting is going to translate. It's going to be there. He's going to be a forty percent spot up shooter from three for somebody because his mechanics are beautiful. His release is quick. Like, he's got everything you want. If if I... Maxi comes out in year one and it's like, okay, his finishing in the lane translates to the NBA, even though he's only 6'2". At that point, the correct answer would be to bench Maxi and cut Bay, but 
I just, I, I worry just enough right now to, to make that call. Well, Maxie's already working out with LeBron and Ben Simmons. So, you know, everything's going to be fine. That's good. Yeah. Lock, <laughs> lock it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think mid first, I think mid first is probably um, the range for, for Maxie in this draft. My thing too, is I really like all three of those guys. I think all three of them have skill sets that translate well to the NBA. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. It makes things interesting. Um, all right. I want to kind of do this real quick and Sean, if you have a question, go ahead and jump in. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I got, I've got one more. I've got one more. You're good. You're good. So um, as for someone who doesn't, who gets most of their draft, you know, uh, you know, lottery and draft knowledge from the tournaments, uh, which didn't happen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, second round, you usually see a lot of players that, you know, uh, you see in the tournament end up in the second round and you're a little bit more familiar with them. Whereas I'm not as familiar this year uh, with a lot of the players in the second round. So um, I know you mentioned uh, Malachi Flynn or mm-hmm. as a, you know, as a potential, you know, uh, deep draft guy who might, uh, who might jump someplace further later down the line. But is there another player in that, you know, 30 to, you know, uh, 60 range that you could see uh, being completely overlooked, uh, you know, in this draft? So I think Grant Riller has the Twitter hype, but I don't know if he has the front office hype yet. I mean, he is, he is just an advantage creation king. He does what he wants with you and with the basketball. He can get around anybody, uh, terrific finisher, either foot, either hand. Like, he's phenomenal. So he's a guy that I think because he's going to be 23 on draft night, he'll slip to the second round. Um, again, we know tr- Twitter has him super hyped. I don't know about front offices yet, so I'll throw him into this group right now. Okay. I think Jay Scrub from John Logan Community College, I think is one. Um, we've talked to some people close to him, and we've seen some of his USA camp footage against some of the best guys in the world at his age, and he just flat out performed. I mean, just Lo- phenomenal. Lovell will miss him a lot. Yes. And one of my best friends, one of the guys in the wedding, he's a big Louisville guy. And as soon as scrub kind of said, Hey, you know, I'm going to test the waters, whatever I called, call my buddy Chris. I said, man, we're, uh, I'm, I hate to give you bad news, but a team's probably going to ask him to stay in. <laughs> uh, I, I think he's a guy that would have just dominated at Louisville. For I think, sure. And, and Juco guys are so tough to evaluate because you're only film as other Juco guys. But when, when you see him against in the USA camp, you see him against, similar competition and you realize, Oh man, this guy's one of the best athletes on the floor. I think he's a real, real value pick. Um, Lamar Stevens, Penn state is one that I kind of go up and down on him sometimes because I worry about the scoring ability Uh, at Babcock hoops, our group, we really like him at the back end of the second round just because of his physical nature, great athlete, good defense, a good head on his shoulders as well. So I feel like he can carve out a role and let's see if anybody else pops up. I think Miles Powell and Marcus Howard are both guys that I like and would be willing to give a shot just because they do what's required to win basketball games, which is score. Even though they're not very big, you know, Howard's really quick, but he's, I think we lift him 5'11", like 180, just not big at all. But his three-point volume, his three-point percentages, you can't sleep on them, you know? So I don't know if they'll be picked, but – it won't shock me if they are. And if they're not, I think they'll get deals immediately following the draft as undrafted free agents. 
but their ability to score very, very quickly make them valuable potential second round guys. Yeah, I think all four Big East guys will won't either be drafted or have a two way between those mm-hmm. two, Paul Reed and Najee Marshall. I have no doubt in my mind those guys will play in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they all bring like something to the table that you say that's a translatable skill. Like they all have at least one or two things that you can bank on. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think they'll all be there. What about Desmond Bain? He's a guy I like a lot. He's a guy that's kind of getting hyped up pretty quickly. He's got that early second round grade right now. I'm seeing him pop into some late first rounders. Where do you kind of have him on your personal level? I have him right where you're saying very, very back end of the first and that 28, 29, 30, uh, all the way to kind of 35. Somewhere, somewhere in that range, I think, suits him. I think his best fit is a team that can use him right now in a specific perimeter catch-and-shoot high IQ role. I think the Lakers should target him. I was going to say, that's I, a perfect fit to me. I think, I think Toronto 28, I think Lakers 29, I think the Celtics using one of their three firsts on him if he falls to 30, I think that's phenomenal. Um, and then the Mavericks at 31. I've got a lot of Mavericks draft people. Shout out to all the Mavericks drafts fans who are listening to this. Um, I don't know if Bain will fall past them because they need shooting wings. And I mean, that's, that's what he does. He does it like a, he just does it so, so well. So I think that late first, early second, I don't think, I think mid seconds too far. I don't see him falling there because the shot is just so pure. Um, so I think you're kind of spot on with kind of where you think he'll fall. Yeah, I, I just – I think the skill – I saw him play a few times this year, and I really always like the skill set. All right, so I want to play this game real quick before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. And you've been awesome with your time. You know, we've definitely enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Where I want to name a team, and you kind of tell me who you feel might be the best fit, or if you want to name two guys, I'm not going to be mad at that either. Okay. Does that work for you? Yeah, cool. All right. Well, we got to start with our first, our beloved team, our favorite, unfortunately. New GM, <laughs> though. New system. It might get better. Sure. Sure. The Chicago Bulls. Okay. Um, Which they're going to pick seventh. It's going to happen. It happens every year. (laughs) It is. Every year. Even on our mock, we have have them seventh. (laughs) I feel like the lottery is just like, here's seven. You're like, do you know who it is? Like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just just go with it. They know. Yeah. Um, Hayes and Abdija. Okay. Those are the guys that I would want. So... All right, I like that. The Charlotte Hornets, who are they going to make not be good for another three years? I think Okongwu is the dream because I think Okongwu and P.J. Washington together would be just nasty. I mean, that's a, hey, we're not seven-footers, but we're just going to be better and stronger than you. And so I, I think Okongwu is the guy that if I'm Charlotte, I'm like, oh, yeah, like that, that's who I want on my team. Depending on how the ping-pong balls fall out, you take Wiseman if he's there. Um, and then I think you do kind of need to go with a guard. So I'll, I'll just go ahead and say take your pick. Of, I mean, eh, we'll say Edwards. I think Okongwu is the dream. And then I think Wiseman, Edwards, depending on where they are, I think are, are awesome fits. Phoenix. I'm going mean- to go again and say that Hayes to 10 is unlikely. I think that's a phenomenal fit. Somebody who can play off the ball when Booker wants it, but play on the ball and get it to Booker. I think that 
again, I'm way higher than the consensus on him. I think Kira would be awesome. If, if all the other guards are gone ahead, I think Kira would, would, would be a great fit at 10. Um, I think I'm just going to – yeah, I'm going to leave that there. I'll say Killian and, and Kira Lewis. All right, so this one's interesting because this is a team that's two first-rounders, and they're actually not drafted awful the last four years. So maybe you know, something's changing, but it's not changing because of who they are. Mm-hmm. The Knicks. The Knicks. Um, LaMelo and Denny. I think are my for the first pick. Those are the two guys that I would try to go get Lamelo and Denny. I like that. I feel like the Knicks have not made it a secret at all that they want Lamelo. I feel like it was like, <laughs> like yeah, we're gonna get the first pick and take Lamelo just so you guys know. It's like the lottery hasn't happened yet. No, we're getting the first pick. We're taking Lamelo. Yeah, and I, I think like- as as an organization, you put Lamelo in a Knicks jersey. Just the money that's gonna roll in before he ever touches a basketball. You just have to do it. Like, and again, a lot of fans, like these are every single NBA decision is a business decision yeah. through and through some owners, the, the money they bring in in Jersey sales is just not, is, is as important, if not more than how good he is. And for that, I'm like LaMelo ball. Like that's the dream fit. He's also the number one player on my board. <laughs> so I like basketball. It's a dream fit as well. Uh, so that's who I would target early. Right now, I think they have a 27th pick in the at the back end of the first round, at least according to the the order that we have. We have Maxi going there. If he slips that far, take him. I don't think Maxi will fall quite that far. I think Cassius Stanley would be a good option. I think mm-hmm. Elijah Hughes would be a good option. Bain could be a good option. I think I had Tyler Bay there, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So I'm not as high. I'm not as high on Bay as a lot. The mm-hmm. Bay pick does make sense for the Knicks there. If they believe in his ability to shoot, which his percentages are good, his volume was very low. So that's where I'm hesitant to like deem him as a stretch shooter just because of the volume. Uh, I don't hate I don't hate that Bay fit at all though. And honestly, I'm just picking the guard version of the forward. So we're kind of on the same page because Elijah Hughes, uh, Stanley Bain, your catch and shoot maybe creation three-point shooters on the wing and the dream is labella ball to kick it to them i mean that's that's the best case scenario sounds yeah especially for a guy like rj who really was so good after the all-star break yeah like had a great great second half of the year i I got two more because this is fun and one of them i only have two because i see the enos cancer oklahoma city thunder jersey on your wall there um the best fit for the oklahoma city thunder in this draft if you had to guess there are, there are three guys that I think similar, similar-ish playing styles, and two of them I've already noted. I think Stanley, mm-hmm. Hughes, and Jaden McDaniels, if he falls. Oh, Jaden McDaniels would be perfect. Yeah, because there's, a, there's, enough hold, there's enough holes in his game that I could see him slipping. Uh, we have one of the best development systems in the entire NBA, and long, lanky, can hit a hezzy pull-up three. You pair him with Shea and um, Baisley. I mean, you're long, you're athletic, you got some, you got some scores on the wing at every level. So I would really like that. Jalen, Jalen Smith also would make some sense. If you guys put Jaden, if they have Jaden McDaniels, Shea Gills, Alexander, Darius Baisley, are you guys just playing Red Rover at that point? Yeah. I mean, let's and we still have Ferguson in their contract too. I mean, we would just be long, lanky, just running around, <laughs> just shooting as much as we could. 
So I don't know how the defense would hold up at that point because it would be pretty thin. But uh, those are I, – I think your wing scores I think would, would, would be a fit because we've got enough young tools here to where you kind of take what's available and, and you, you plug and play as you go, as you kind of see what you've got. Yeah. Okay. I got to add one more team. I know. I'm yeah, great. you're good. Go ahead. All right. Nope, so no worries. The two teams I'm thinking now, the Nets, because we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie and KD. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, they're literally going into the bubble with four players, I think. I don't yeah. know if they have enough to put a team on the roster, unfortunately. It's not much. <laughs> yeah. I think Trayvon Blewett might be signing with them, hopefully. I'm guessing hey, that. Hey, I, another guy, I still own all the stock. Same. Blewett, I do. I, think, I still think there's a place for him. I do, too. He's been really good for Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, the Nets. So we have Balmero going there. And I think that actually, that's one that I'm comfortable. I think he'll be there. I think he's better than pick 20, but I think he'll be there at pick 20. And again, I really, really like him as an initiator and a creator for your offense. The Nets are one of those teams where they don't really need anything. So you take the best player uh, and you kind of figure it out later just because it wouldn't shock me. The Nets are the team that I think will likely trade out of the first round because they just don't need the pick. You look at the roster, they just don't need it. Now, if they end up trading some people because they have, they have enough pieces on the back end of all those superstars that every team wants. So if those get depleted at all because it's a movement, then you'll see them basically, I think they'll just replace the positions that they have traded. Well, um, but I, I'll be shocked if they pick. I, okay, I'm glad you bring this up. Because it's kind of, I listened to the low post today, mm-hmm. and the discussion they talked about was Brooklyn getting Bradley Beal, and in return, Washington getting Karis Levert and Jared Allen. And truthfully, I love that trade. Yeah, of course, the Nets would love that trade. Yeah. They didn't give. <laughs> oh, I gotta be. I gotta be careful. They're gonna have to do more for Bradley Beal. <laughs> Yeah, I always love those like trade machine trades. It's like you know the Lakers could get Buddy Heald for Kyle Kuzma. I'm like, Buddy Heald's got a poison pill deal. Like, right? You know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, this year it works. I have seen some Nets deals that would get Beal there that I honestly don't hate, but it's like it's it's everything but the superstars. Yeah, and man, there's some general managers they'll do it. They'll do it. And honestly, if you have an opportunity to build a big three. If you have a window, you do it because big threes win championships. Yeah, I know. Uh, Gar Foreman's looking for a job now, so maybe he can go coach one of those teams that make bad trades. He's good at that. <laughs> All right. So the last thing I want to ask about, you kind of mentioned the guy already. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is also probably a team that has a little bit of everything. I know you mentioned Desmond Bain there already, but the Lakers, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they have the, the best forward t- combo in the NBA, and then they've got – Obviously, there's good shooters around them, but when you look at a team like that who has size, speed, and really just kind of need a second ball handler, really, who's someone you think fits the Lakers the best? So you, I believe that the Lakers will either go wing spot-up shooter or point guard. If you pick point guard, you have two decisions. Do you want starter of the future or solid backup guy for the next three seasons, and that's all you want from him? So I'll go the point guard route because I've talked about the wings a lot. I, I, Bain and Hughes do make a lot of sense. But I rotate. I mean, I could see them taking 
let's say they want a guy who can come in bench unit right now or within the next year while the LeBron window is still there. Just give me a couple minutes of good defense. Trey Jones makes sense. He's mature. He's a leader, hard nose grinder, like just hard worker. He'll give you the minutes and you don't have to rely on him to score a lot. So Trey Jones makes sense there. Devon Dodson can make some sense. Um, Malachi Flynn can make some sense. If you are looking for the guard of the future, it's like, hey, we're, we'll pick you now, but we don't need you to be the guy for three or four years. Teo Maladon falling to 29 is, again, unlikely, but he would be amazing as a long-term guy. Maladon would be – let's see who else. Mannion. I'm not, a, I'm not crazy high on Mannion. I'm not but, either. But he's a guy at 29, young kid, you take a flyer. You know, kind of, I could see the, I could see the, the draw there. Uh, I think an underrated, a kind of a very quiet pick that would make sense would be Riller at 29. Because he's just a spark. If that's what you need, hey, Le- Le- LeBron's off the floor. Our shooters are off the floor. We need 10 minutes. We got our defenders out there. Can somebody just give me a couple points? Throw Grant Riller out there, man. He's not a long-term play, but he can give you what you need for a couple seasons. I think that makes sense too because, you know, we've seen history says that LeBron doesn't really like rookies. You know, like not that he dislikes them, but they don't play much with him. And Yeah, and that's, that's where Trey Jones, even though he's young, the, the maturity level is yeah. there. And that's where Bain and Hughes being older, like exactly what you're saying. I just feel like they come into that locker room a little bit easier. Yeah, I agree. All right, so last question of this, and this is kind of looking to 2021 because it's a draft yep. a lot of people are more excited on. Grant, I don't know how much you've looked into this. Here's my top three right now. What do you think? Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Braden Boston Jr. You, you do not have Cade in your top three. Oh, okay. <laughs> Take out Mobley. We'll, we'll put Cade. We'll say every time I give a ranking on the 21 prospects, I don't even mention Cade because I just assume everybody knows he's the one. It's like, hey, I'll just start with my list after Cade because he's one. See, um, I, I think, love BJ Boston. He reminds yeah. me so much of Brandon Ingram. Yeah, so Boston, Boston has the tools to be really, really good. We all know what Jalen Green can be. Kuminga is a guy to watch. Um, Jonathan Kuminga, he reclassified, so he's still a youngster. Just a huge physical presence. But he likes, likes to handle the ball, likes to create as well. Um, the Mobley brothers are interesting because they'll both be there together. Um, and they both deceptively handle the ball fairly well for being yeah, like just huge kids. So I think, I think those are some guys to watch. One I really, really like is Jalen Suggs, who's headed to Gonzaga because he, he was a four-star football recruit as well. And anybody who sees the floor with a football mind, multi-sport guy, good vision, leadership, that's a guy that I want on my team. So kind of an early watch list guy. I think Jalen Suggs will be one to watch. Thank you for your point there, because I tell everyone Terrell Pryor should have gone the basketball route. Hey, man, I'm telling you, I could, I still remember the day in high school when I found out that Pryor was committing to Ohio State, and I was just like ecstatic. And I well, thought he was going to play. I thought he was going to play both because he yeah, wanted to, depending on where he went. Yeah, because he was the 21st high school recruit and the number one football recruit. Yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. Well, Derek, you were awesome, man. We had such a great time talking with you. Um, You know, let me please by a chance take the floor here. Shout out your social media, your website, anything you want to. Man, the floor is yours by all means. 
Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at D Murray MBA, D M U R R A Y MBA. And then again, Babcock Hoops, um, you can find that on Twitter as well. A lot of my stuff is linked through there. And then Matt Babcock. Um, and, and on that website, you can kind of find anybody who writes or scouts or consults with us and some of the best basketball minds in the world. So if you want to read anything of theirs, it's all on our website and then all their handles are there as well. So, uh, Sean and Tim, like, I, I appreciate you guys having me on and always, always enjoy talking basketball. Yeah, absolutely. When we do our mock draft, we'll have you back. Hey, yeah, let me know. I'm happy to jump on. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great night.